Each choice we make moves us toward fear or love. On my Life and Laughter podcast, we'll talk about those choices and learn how to attract more love and connection and laughter. This is Perry Kinder. Let's get started. Hey, Life and Laughter listeners. This is Perry Kinder. I'm back with another solo episode of my Life and Laughter podcast. I like to alternate really cool guests with topics that I love about joy. So to give you a kind of an all-encompassing how to move away from fear and toward love and how to bring more joy into your life. And today the topic is parenting with joy, which is not a mistake. It actually can be a thing. The title started out as putting the ing in parenting, but then I thought that ing could be playing, exploring, and adventuring, but it could also be exhausting and demoralizing and soul-crushing. So I changed it from putting the ing in parenting to parenting with joy seems a little bit more more achievable and more understandable. And as a parent, you know that the role that you play in your child's life changes over time. We have so many roles in our kids' lives, you know, we're the caretakers, we're the educators, we're teaching them good manners and skills and coping and hopefully being good examples of service and love and kindness and tolerance. But that role always changes. You know, as small kids, obviously, when they're very small and they're newborns, they can't do shit, they're pretty useless. And it's our job to keep them fed, to keep them safe, and to keep them protected and nurtured, to keep them loved. And it's a, it sounds really easy, but it's, it's a lot of work. It's really exhausting to raise a newborn baby till they get to a point where they're a little, a little bit more independent. But even then, they still need us around them to keep them safe, to keep them fed, to keep them loved, to make them feel a part of our family, part of our tribe, part of our group, whatever it is you need to to instill in them. It's still your job to do that. We need to teach our kids how to play. And this starts at a very, very young age. Whether you're playing with your baby, playing with your one-year-old, chasing your toddler, taking your kids to parks, on hikes, everything that you do that is fun with your kids is teaching them how to be fun. And kids need to play. They need to figure things out because for them, when they're little, like from maybe one to four, playing is a full-time job for them. That's how they learn about their world. And we need to, as parents, we need to step back and let them explore without us hovering. I know we like to do that. There was a time I was at the park with my grandkids and there was a woman there with her son and he was probably, he was probably four or five and he was climbing on everything. He wanted to go down the slides and that was great, but she was right behind him. She would stop him if she thought it looked too dangerous. She would take him off the equipment, take him over to something easier. But he wanted, he wanted to explore and she didn't have to let him go, you know, full throttle down the steep metal slide, but she had just had to give him the permission to trust himself. And that's one thing that we do as parents is we give our children the ability to trust themselves. Yep. Sometimes your kids are going to fall when they have to learn how to ride a bike, they're going to fall. If they have to learn how to run or participate in any kind of sports, they're going to fail because it takes a while for them to learn those skills. And it's our job to teach them that falling isn't failure, that falling is just the next step, the next step in their learning process. And so for the first, you know, first, I don't know, eight years, eight or nine years, our job is teaching them that falling is okay. They're going to get up and we're going to be there and love them, whether they're on the ground or whether they're on the top of the jungle gym. And we're not going to jump in to fix things for them unless they're in serious danger. 
it's so funny to watch newborn, not newborns, to watch kids maybe 18 months old as they're navigating a playground for the first time because they they have an inherent fear of falling. So they'll go to the edge of something. And I don't advise you let their child play on the playground by themselves when they're 18 months. Be there because they will drop off the edge at some point. But you can see them exploring the edges, seeing where their confidence lies, testing boundaries. It's all such a neurological informative process in their brains that are, it's teaching them how to interact with the world. And if you jump in and save them all the time, it really short circuits that and doesn't, doesn't help them to grow with trusting in themselves. So that's your role as a parent when your child is little. For older kids, maybe elementary school age kids, maybe up to seventh grade, you become kind of a cruise director life coach. You spend a lot of time trying to entertain your children the best thing you can teach them to do is learn how to make friends. Learn that they don't have to have just one good friend. They can be a friend to lots of different people. Learn how to be a friend. You can teach your kids that being a friend means not always having your own way. And that can be hard. If your son or daughter is eight or nine years old, they want to have things their way. They don't want to compromise. So teaching them compromise, helping them create friendships that aren't one way, that aren't dysfunctional. Another thing that we do with older kids is we discover things that they love to do. Sometimes that might be pushing them into something they didn't want to try. Maybe it's a sport or a class, but then supporting them as they try it out. Again, allow them to fail because failing is learning, not jumping in to help them, not jumping in to save them, but letting them know they, they should try new things because you don't want to, don't want to squelch that idea of always learning that's what we do. We never stop learning. So don't make learning be a fail or pass. Let it be a growth. Let your kids explore the world and give them opportunities to do that. Let them hike. Let them go on their own adventures. Let them go with their friends' places. Let them listen to podcasts and watch shows that makes them understand things. Take them to planetariums and zoos, museums. Let them ask questions. And be completely honest with your kids as they ask questions. They're not trying to get a rise out of you all the time. Sometimes they actually want an answer. And it's our job to provide the best information. And sometimes the answer is, I have no idea. I don't know, but let's find out together. Now, if your grandson said, how far is it from Earth to Pluto? I have no idea, but we can figure that out. And give them those skills that they don't have to know everything. There is everything to know, but they don't have to know it all. They can figure it out and learn as they go. One thing about having kids this age is letting your kids be bored. Let them be bored. Turn off the screens. Let them whine about being bored and tell them to figure something out. Make up a game, write a book, read a book, go outside, sit in the sun, daydream. It's our job to foster these types of activities in our children so they learn how to create their own imagination. With all of our screens right now, our kids don't have to imagine anything. It's already right there in front of them. They're learning how to substitute already created cartoons and TV shows and, and games for what's going on in their own brain. Teach them their brains are fascinating because they absolutely are. And at this age especially, don't helicopter. It feels oppressive and it makes kids feel like they can't trust themselves. And they need to know they can trust themselves. So you might want to hover. 
You might want to helicopter in school. Let your kids be the kids are going to be. Are they going to be great kids all the time? Absolutely not. Are they going to do crappy things? Absolutely. Are you going to be there to jump in and change that and fix that? No, not your job. It's their job to figure out how to apologize, how to be a better person, how to not have to always be in charge, not have to always be right. It's a learning process, so let them learn. So you want to be a guide during this time, not heavy-handed. Just imagine the buffering rails on a bowling alley. You want your child to go straight down the lane toward the pins, toward their goals, toward their dreams, but chances are they're going to bounce off the buffers until they find their own compass. That's your job. Your job is a buffer to help them gently and kind them move back to center. Because when the buffer come down, they will have learned how to avoid landing in the gutter, figurative and literally. Hopefully their own compass has been developed enough that they can navigate a straight line to where they want to go. Are they always going to stay in a straight line? No, they're always learning and growing. It's not your job to make them stay on the straight and narrow. Because that definition for them might be different than what it is for you. Keep talking with your kids this age. Bring up difficult subjects so kids know that they can talk to you about anything. It's not always easy or comfy, but you'll build your reputation as a non-judgmental listener, something that you'll need later during the teen years, which is next. So if you are a maid and a babysitter for baby for children, little children, and you're a cruise director and a life coach for older children, you are a Sherpa for your teens. 100% your teen is going to rebel. You might not know about it, but 100% they're going to rebel. That's their job. Because maybe at 13 or maybe at 17, at some point they're going to push against you because it's how they gain their independence. It's how they break away from the family structure to create their own identities, their own passions, their own futures. It's going to happen. Here's the clue. Don't take it personally. Teenagers are hardwired to disagree with their parents. It's in their nature. You might have a child who is fantastic. He might just be the most helpful, the most kind person, but in his mind, he's wanting you to back off, give him space, let him learn. He might act out about that and he might not. But don't take it personally if they get mad at you. They're just wired to be angry at us for a while. And back the hell up. Back up. Just like when your child was on the playground at six years old and you're there watching, but you only step in if they ask and only if you think they're in danger. This is the same situation. You let your child go into their life and you trust them that, you've, that they've learned how to make good decisions. One thing that I see all the time, parents doing their kids' homework, not just for teenagers, but for elementary school kids too. Don't do their homework. Don't stay up late typing their reports. They just didn't get it done. Don't, don't do the research for them. Let them have consequences. I've talked to many, many mothers who've stayed up late to finish a report or a science project while their kids went to sleep. What the? That's stupid. That's teaching you how to be an irresponsible parent and it's teaching your kids nothing except they can push you around and get out of their work. If they don't finish a report, guess what? They have a consequence. If they do a report but it's not done right, even though you could have done it fantastically well and illustrated and beautiful, 
Let them have those consequences. It's hard to watch your kids make a mistake. But again, a mistake is not a failure. A mistake is a learning process. Let them have those learning processes. You want your kids to succeed, but let it be their success. Or let them experience failure and then watch them learn how to bounce back from that. You're gently guiding these teens out of your house. You don't want them to need you all the time. And this teenage time is really a transition between being a child and being an adult. And you're just being that Sherpa, guiding them along that path, hoping they don't freeze on the side of the mountain or roll down into a canyon. You're just there showing them the way. And be flexible. You should definitely set and enforce boundaries. But if your teen has an issue with maybe a curfew or a mandatory attendance at church or a sporting event or family reunions, talk it out. Maybe work out a compromise. It doesn't have to be your way. Let them feel like they have some input into their lives and they'll be much happier and much easier to be around. So that was a long prelude to how to stay joyful and hopeful as a parent. That's the background. And depending on where you are, you're in one of those three stages, early childhood, middle childhood, teenage years. So this is how you stay joyful and hopeful as a parent. First, take care of your damn self. Take care of your damn self. It is not selfishness to carve out time for yourself. It is a freaking necessity. It's like riding a bike without air in the tires. You can ride it, but it isn't very comfortable and it isn't very effective. So take time out for yourself. Let your kids see that you value your time alone, that you value time to take care of yourself. Let them see you meditating or bike riding or exercising or reading or just going away for the weekend by yourself or buying some new clothes or taking care of your nails, whatever it is, let them see that you think you are important. They will, rem- they will remember that lesson forever. Number two, celebrate success. Your kid graduated from high school. Maybe your child stood up to a bully. Maybe your child is kind and compassionate. Maybe your child loves to learn and explore. When things look bleak, and they will, look back at the good things. Remember that you're good enough, you're doing enough, your child is not a monster. They do great things all the time. The things you don't even see, they do great things all the time. So really remember those times, look back and say, wow, that was a time I did it right. That felt so good. And that will happen again. Not today, but it's going to happen again. Here's something I see a lot too in my life coaching is parents who hold grudges toward their child. Don't punish them for for the past. Maybe they destroyed your grandmother's heirloom grandfather clock. They can know you're upset and they should even apologize and make reparations if possible, but then it's done. You don't keep bringing it up five years later like, well, I'd buy you a new car if you hadn't smashed grandma's clock. Let that shit go. It does nobody any good. Learn how to let go of grudges. Maybe your child was a juvenile delinquent all of his life. Now he's great. Forget all that past. You don't need to keep bringing it up. They know it. Nobody else needs to know it. Maybe your child ate all of the Girl Scout cookies three years in a row. Don't keep bringing that up at family reunions. Your child doesn't want to hear their failures, their mistakes being broadcast to the family. So don't hold grudges towards your kids. Again, it's all learning. And when you're holding grudges, it's very hard to feel joy towards your child. So let it go. It doesn't accomplish anything. Another thing to let go of cultural expectations and supposed to's. 
in our society, we have lots of things that we're supposed to do. And some of those things don't work with your children. Maybe it's something in, in school or your church or your neighborhood or your family. You know, our family, we don't get tattoos in our family or we don't wear shorts in our family or we don't stay home from school for a break day in our family. Maybe your family is going to have to do those things. And it goes back to having that open discussion with your kids. This is why we do that. Why do you think we shouldn't do this? Give me your reasons for why you think you should be allowed to stay out later or not go to church this week or read a book that I don't approve of or watch a movie I don't approve of. Talk about it. Your way is not always the right way. And here's a big one, especially in Utah. Drop the idea of perfection. Oh my God, drop the idea of being perfect. I remember when my daughters were little and I was going to church and I was trying to be the perfect mom. They had to look perfect. They dressed alike. Yes, I was that mom that made them all matching dresses or outfits and then took pictures of them. And I'm sure they're in therapy for that still. It was the perception of perfection that can be totally devastating because everybody knows it's not real. Everybody in the family knows it's not real. So don't don't think you have to have the perfect home, the perfect kids, the perfect marriage, the perfect anything. Drop the idea of perfection because it's not attainable and it's not fun. And you're just going to tie yourself up in knots trying to achieve it. Number six, don't yell. That's a tough one. If you're in a situation where you want to yell at your children, you need to back off. You can even tell your kids, I need to leave right now because if I don't, I'm going to yell and I don't want to yell at you. Go in the bathroom, scream into the shower, scream into a pillow, take a run around the block, drive to Arctic Circle and get a shake. Whatever you need to do, get out of that situation. If you're at the level of rage where you're going to start screaming, that's when the listening stops. They stop listening. You stop listening. There's no conversation happening there. Take yourself out of the situation come back when you're calm and you can discuss it again. Number seven, don't talk in failures. My mom told us all the time, I've got four siblings and none of us go to church. And she raised us to go to church. And we disappointed her spectacularly in that department. And she told me many times that she had failed us because we had stopped going to church. I told her she did the opposite of fail us. We made different choices and she still loved us. I didn't consider myself to be a failure. I don't think my siblings were failures. But she probably looks down at us from heaven, shaking her head and mumbles, you know, stupid failure children. Don't make your kids feel like they're failures. If you think you failed as a parent, that's giving the message to your kids that they've failed. Don't even think that. Don't even say that. Your kids are not failures. You're not a failure. Don't talk in failures. Number eight, your relationship changes as your kids become adults. In the course of their lives, you only have 18, maybe 20 years with these kids in your home. And then they create their own mistakes and successes and values and lives. So you have to learn to be a friend to your adult children. That means they do not have to live the life you planned for them. I'm going to say that again. They do not have to live the life you planned for them. In fact, they probably won't. You can have a goal and a desire and a dream for your child. It is not their goal, desire, or dream. 
I know people who did things for their parents because they wanted to make their parents happy, you know, become a doctor, become an attorney, become a teacher. And they are miserable, miserable. Don't make your kids miserable by thinking they have to live the life that you have planned for them. That means no judgment, no guilt, only love. You practice those three things throughout your child's life. No judgment, no guilt, only love, and you will find absolute joy in parenting. Money back guarantee. Thank you so much for listening. Go out and enjoy your parenthood, playing, exploring, adventuring, being exhausted, demoralized, and soul-destroyed sometimes, but it's all part of the fun. It goes by so fast. So please enjoy your kids. Enjoy your life. Enjoy the freedoms that we have here today. Get outside. Live, love, learn. Thank you for listening to my podcast. If you'd like to become a supporter of my podcast, you can always join my monthly supporters. A very small fee or make a donation. That's also helpful. I take donations in any numerical amount. Or you can buy my book, My Life and Laughter Columns, for $12. Just Venmo me at Perry-Kinder. Have a beautiful day. Do you want more life and laughter? Check out my blog at lnlcoaching.com and find me on Instagram and Facebook at Life and Laughter Coaching. See you again soon. Thank you.